and uh, we ended up having a cryptocurrency conversation there as well. And you know, she was curious. She was like, you know, why cryptocurrency isn't a real thing? It, it's not, you know, kind of the conversation I told you I had with them when they were younger. You know, yeah. it, it's nothing. There's nothing there. <laughs> the heartbreaking realization that there's nothing behind real money either. <laughs> hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 87, recorded December 14th, 2017. In this episode, Thomas and I talk about, well, let's be honest, the battle for the net. Is it over, or is it just beginning? Some Star Wars fun, some new experiences at at user groups, and a lot more. So, let's get started. Thomas, did you know that... We're sorry. Your current internet package does not include the ability to stream podcast. If you would like to listen to this podcast, please deposit 75 cents. Thank you, and welcome to the new Net New Tyranny. Coincidence? I think I not. I think not. This is episode 87 of PHP Ugly. Very nice. Hey, Thomas. <laughs> Did you spend like all week on that one? Yeah, that that one was a deep dive there. I had to do a lot of digging <laughs> in that one. It is it was, uh, was... nuanced but good. <laughs> good. How's it going, Thomas? Oh, not too shabby. Uh, you know, mm. teenagers. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. You got the got the Christmas uh coming upon us. I, I am a I am a celebrator of the Christmas, so I look forward to it every year. It's it's exciting. I uh I got smart outlets for all my Christmas lights, so now I can walk around the house with my phone and turn them off and on. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we've had some interesting things happen um, today. We're, we're coming to you live December 14th, which is a Thursday, and earlier today Black Thursday. here in the U.S., Black Thursday, yeah. Earlier here in the U.S., our wonderful FCC has decided to overturn net neutrality. And uh, what that exactly is going to mean and how it's going to impact the inner tubes as we know it is yet to be seen. But you can pretty much assure yourself it will not be good. Did you you watch any of this uh, vote? I I saw bits and pieces of it where... They were talking about how the comments there were there were lots and lots of comments, but none of them mattered because they don't care. Like they actually so, said that during the meeting. It, it, it was that sort of com- that sort of those sort of comments that were driving me up the wall. Right. I'm like, you can't do that if you don't think that the commenting system was working. Then you have to postpone the the vote and figure out a commenting system that you're feeling well. No, he didn't. Good about the guy. I, the guy I saw. Literally said, literally said, real or not, the comments don't influence the committee because the committee makes its decisions independently. Uh, not that we didn't I read didn't them. Hear that comment. No, he 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 yeah. said very clearly whether or not they're real. We don't care. We didn't care in the first place. We read them, and a lot of them were just expletives. But that doesn't matter because we were going to do what we were going to do no matter what. It's like, well, then what the fuck are you doing? Like, and that that was the thing that that was the thing that was killing me. I think it was actually the head of the, or, or one of them. They're, they're such idiots. One of them was talking about how 
the internet thrived and became successful before net neutrality. You know, it did this and it did that before net neutrality. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, nobody's saying that it did it. What net neutrality was was put in place for is to protect it as a free platform, open to everybody, and not re- you know not uh, throttled by corporations. Yeah, it's like nobody's saying net neutrality was responsible for that. Net neutrality was put in place to protect that. Like, you know, the law the the laws that are put in place now weren't put there to be. Like I can't walk down the street as a as a free person because the the laws that are, that are in place. I can walk down the street as a free person, and the laws that are put in place are there to protect that freedom. That's what net neutrality was. It was there to protect a freedom that was established, and it was so infuriating, so infuriating to listen to these guys talk, and you can just tell that they were just a, just a mouthpiece of the administration. Yeah, Not the, just the administration, the but of like Verizon. I mean, Ajit Pai yeah. is literally still shilling for Verizon on his days off. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah the one guy who was like, I I gave a very impactful speech why I was against net neutrality and why I thought it was harmful. Little did I know, six months later, I would be sitting on this board, you know, voting on this. I'm like, oh, really? That surprises you. Yeah, you 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 harp in about you know how much you're against it, and then you're surprised you're putting a, put in this position by this administration to vote on it. Well, and, and yeah, did you see did uh, you see Trump's announcement immediately afterwards? I did not see that. It was, it was a TV show stunt, which I mean shouldn't surprise me that he's he does this still. But remember when he got busted for holding a binder full of empty paper and saying that it was his tax mm-hmm. plan? Mm-hmm. He basically did the same thing. So he had a he had one stack of papers that was quote unquote all the regulations in 1960, and then he had another stack of papers that was a thousand times larger that was all of the regulations in 2017, and there was a red piece of of tape crossing between the two of them, and he had a giant pair of scissors and he said, "I'm cutting the red tape," and cut the ribbon, and it's like. Huh? It's like you are you talking about going back to 1960s regulations so I can put leaded fuel in my car again and so I can use asbestos we, we have, in schools? We, we'd have leaded paint again. That would be awesome. Yeah, like lead what paint? What is what is your point that things are more complicated now? Of course they are because we're not in the health crisis that China and India are. We don't want to be. That's what these things are for. You know, cutting cutting something that t- Title Two was established human rights access to the internet. It basically said, this is something that people need and use, and you can't take it away for the sake of profit. It's a human right. Part of Title II established the rural support systems and established standards for quality of service and what quality of service was and how you couldn't abuse QoS to throttle traffic. Uh, You can't take something that was set out and stated as a human need and then just say, well, regulations bad like no that's the whole thing is ridiculous it's not my daughter who has become i wouldn't say politically active but easily outraged recently (laughs) yes yes she she believes that now google searches are going to cost a dollar 50 a piece and things like that and i it's hard to explain to a teenager like no they'll screw you in much more subtle ways 
Yeah, that's the thing about it. Yeah, you know, it, it won't be that obvious, I and mean, it definitely won't be obvious for a while. Right, but it's going to happen. I, I can I can guarantee you the moment that vote was was official, every ISP had a meeting in their boardroom on what their next steps are going to be. Oh yeah, no Comcast that, Comcast edited when they announced they were going to have the vote. Comcast edited its its customer bill of rights to remove um, throttling between websites. They removed that clause so that they weren't lying anymore, I guess, when they do it. And I keep wondering when it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen really fast. Because if it's, if it's slow, then when someone tries to overturn it, the corporations are going to have all this power saying, we're already doing it. You can't make us stop doing something. It's going to be harder. That's a valid argument. It's going to be harder to stop them from doing something than prevent them from doing something. So I think they're going to actually that's... push the gas pedal on this and start as fast as possible. You could be right. Who do you, who do you think is going to be the first? Well, who's going to fire the first shot? Comcast. Yeah, that that seems to be uh, yeah. the over under with a lot of people is, is Comcast, and, and they were making arguments of well, you realize. Uh, net neutrality never actually prevented network throttle, throttling. It never actually prevented packaging. Uh, yeah, it did. Pricing by package. I'm just explaining to you what they said. <laughs> I know. I know. And they're saying it never actually prevented any of this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if it didn't actually prevent anything, then why are you doing away with it? It's like, what is what is your justification of getting rid of it? If if you're saying that all the stuff could have been could have been put in place even with net neutrality in place. Then you're not you. You have no argument here. And, and the one the one 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 of them was talking about the internet thrived and in, in and was moving forward so fast until net neutrality was established, and then it basically stagnated. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. What world now are you no one uses in? it. The internet old <laughs> hat. Yeah, like he's like, oh, your corporations aren't investing in the internet anymore. I'm like, what? Who, and who this is, is not investing in the internet? And this is despite things like Verizon being given a 2.1 billion dollar deal to establish fiber networks in certain counties, and them never laying a single line. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. This, so it's a scary time. It's a scary time to be in this business. It's a scary time to live in a society that's so dependent on on this free internet and it's going to be t- i'm i'm pretty scared uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you i i see see what how this plays out and i don't know i i can't see it being better no it's not so. <laughs> there's no world where somebody had like 4000 miles of cable sitting in their backyard and they just were thinking to themselves if only I could install this damn cable, but that darn net neutrality is stopping me. Like, I have one provider in my town that's even worth getting. I have two providers technically. One is, is DSL, and it's terrible. God. And the other is Comcast. So in, in what world does somebody think this is going to spark competition? The, mm-hmm. the competition is going to be who can get the most money out of the consumer. That's the competition, and it's gonna be it's gonna be an advertising battle. It's gonna be a marketing battle, but it's not gonna be pro consumer. It's gonna be anti consumer the whole time. At the end of day, your internet bill is not gonna get any cheaper. Your speeds are not gonna get any faster, 
and the quality is not going to get any better. It's just you're going to have the same crappy internet, and you're going to pay more money. Yeah, and this is this is stuff like Comcast. This year, this year, Comcast sued a county to prevent them from installing municipal internet. This is the mm-hmm. kind of company we're dealing with, where when they see something like municipal internet getting installed, they sue to stop it. That's bizarre behavior. I mean, it's so fundamentally immoral. You can't imagine someone's doing it. And you know, I wish I, I wish I knew you were going that way. I would have looked up this information. Unfortunately, we do record this show live, and it's more of a natural conversation. And I don't have it at my fingertips. But I just recently watched. Um, we have a friend of the show, T.J. Miller, uh, lives out in the Detroit area, and I'm always I'm always fascinated by Detroit because, you know, here in the U.S., Detroit was this huge, thriving city. Basically, you know, the heartbeat of the car industry here in here in the U.S. and then it literally died, and it it, it almost got abandoned by the country. I mean, it basically is abandoned by the country. That they, they haven't had clean water in parts of Detroit uh, for what like a year now, and yeah. I mean, it's just like this horrible, horrible conditions. And I had stumbled across um, a, a project in Detroit where they're trying to bring uh, internet access to the the cities of the, the 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 neighborhoods of Detroit because there isn't any like it's not like people can't afford it there is no internet access there's no companies out there offering this internet so they're doing these point to point towers on buildings, you know, they, they go to these uh, apartment buildings and talk to the landlord. And they're like, oh yeah, go ahead and put an antenna up there, and and you know, basically creating this mesh network of uh, free Wi-Fi through these through, through these neighborhoods. And it's hard work. I mean, th- this was a great documentary. I, I I wish I was in a position where I could you know, contribute or help help out in some way with it. But what they were doing was fascinating. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, but I, I think we're, you know, we're preaching to the choir. Um, but I will give you the rundown of the news, the response from this. Uh, Washington State, the governor of Washington State, said that they will attempt to maintain net neutrality within their state. Uh, I'm really hoping other states follow along with this because that's the way we do it. The way we mm-hmm. make it so that the federal government can't take it away is by implementing it at the state level. Um, and again, again, I, I know I talk about this a lot, but but I, I'm hypersensitive about about it. This is one of the things that sets our government apart from a lot of governments that people might not understand. That we have a federal government. The federal government ru- basically rules over the entire country. However, they're not the most powerful government. Each state has a state government that can overrule federal government. That's why we have this weird situation right now with uh, cannabis use where certain states are saying, nope, we're legalizing, we're, we're making the cannabis legal even for recreational use. And the federal government says, nope, this is still a crime. And the, we're in this weird state with cannabis right now where it's legal in certain states, illegal in other states, and it's straight up a federal crime in other states. And it's a, well, it's a federal way- crime in every state. And if, that, if that's that's true, and if the FBI yeah. arrests you for something that, on a federal crime, and you have weed, they will add the weed as a charge, even if you're in a legal state. And what's even more interesting that maybe not a lot of people know is that 
in the states where it's legal, in the stores, the, these people who own these uh, cannabis stores, they're restricted by certain things that they can do. So a lot of them, as far as I know, all of them is a cash only business because they, they the banks are federally insured, so they can't take credit cards. The yeah, the because banks of this. the banks can take their money, but won't. And so they're they're not just a cash business, but they're a cash under the mattress business. All the all the cash money they receive doesn't ever go to a bank. It's all stored what, in safes and stuff. What's even more ironic is that they're still required to pay federal tax, even Absolutely. though the federal government does not recognize their business as being if, a legal a legal business. They still have to pay taxes. If you're selling federal taxes, if you're selling meth on the street, you still have to pay federal taxes on that. Any income, whether legal or not, you still have to pay taxes on. Yeah, yeah, harsh, harsh reality of. The, the weird sort of democracy we live in, but... Sort of democracy. Um, I wouldn't call it a democracy. I don't call it a democracy anymore. I call it I call it an oligarchy. It's very it's very obvious. Yeah. So so back to your point, Thomas. It, so, it, it's, not, it's not easy, but each state in the U.S. can overturn, not overturn, but can establish their own sort of net neutrality regulation for their state. Right. Now, the, the states, the pro- they can't make it Title II, which is right. what it used to be, but they can protect it at the local level. Um, it just it has different implications when it's Title II. Uh, Comcast got busted for throttling Netflix at one point because it was Title II. On the state level, it's going to be a lot harder to do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. The other thing is that it still hasn't got into effect because Congress – can before this goes into effect, Congress can pass a resolution of disapproval, which would disallow the FCC to do this. Um, so you can still email your congressman, uh, go to battleforthenet.com, and that will let you contact your congressman and press for a resolution of disapproval. Um, good luck, Republican-controlled Congress. Not going to happen, but good luck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and. It- and really, I'm not even sure how that works. It's like the FCC says, okay, we're not going to enforce this uh, Title II anymore. And C- Congress comes back and says, no, you have to. The FCC is like, okay. Well, we for will, Title II, FCC is really. not the enforcing agency. They're not? I thought they no. were. No, for Title II, the enforcing agency is the, the federal judiciary. If you say they're breaking Title II, right. the I FCC guess, doesn't get a right. say in it. But, but the FCC is still the enforcer of it. No, no, they don't enforce it. Really? Yeah, I no, they, they just did. they just established the law. They're they're responsible for enforcing a lot of things, but for Title II, they're not the enforcer for it. Okay. Well, there you go. Learn something new today. Um right. but there are also uh-huh. several lawsuits that have been opened that are suing the FCC for breach of civil rights by taking away access to knowledge from uh poor people. Which is also I mean, another tack to I, take. I, I'm willing to back any effort at this point. I, I, I as as much as I doubt any of it will make a difference. You know, you just gotta hope that something will. Never know. All right, we should move on from this because yeah, we're, that's, we're already that's our early bird doom into and gloom. For, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, so we should move on now. Um, 
we uh we we like i said we are recording thursday december 14th which is also another um, kind of historic day i guess uh star wars got released i don't suppose you're you're going to the opening of star wars thomas no i'm not going to the opening i do have tickets though I just oh, don't you do? Know. You do have your tickets already? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know when they are, though. I, my wife bought them. I think they're sometime next week. Oh, nice. Very nice. Um, I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan. I mean, I, I'm not a super fan. I, I'm perfectly fine waiting and, and you know, for all the hype to calm down a little bit. It's not like a, a Batman movie where I, the sooner I see it, the better. Um, but I am excited, uh, excited about this one. But are you a comic book reader by chance? Not anymore. I, I used to be. Um, and I still like to keep up on my, my comic universe knowledge, which is handy. Yeah. So I stumbled across a hysterical series that I think you would appreciate, Thomas. It's called uh, Tag and Blink. Have you have you heard of Tag and Blink? I have not. Oh my gosh, dude. You've got to, you've got to read this series. So I guess it started off as a parody of Star Wars, and then the Star Wars fandom kind of embraced it and essentially tag and i'm, I'm not going to give too many spoilers away but tag and blink are you're following these two um uh people who were initially part of the rebellion and they just keep popping up in all these uh star wars storylines and they they play these background characters and they actually answer some of the questions of things that happen in a star wars movie and you're never really sure like Hey, what just happened? And they're they have like an involvement in it, and it is hysterical reading. It is probably some of the funniest reading I I've read in a while, and it really has you rethinking back to the movie. It's like, wait a minute, they're at this point in this time. Holy crap, they're those guys! It it is really good. I will have to check that so, out. Yeah, if if you're a comic book fan and if you're a Star Wars fan. Do yourself a service. Set aside your Star Wars universe knowledge for a second and get back to just a goofy little craziness and check out the Tag and Blink uh, Star Wars series on some sort of comic book, digital comic book. I, I'm sure it's in print somewhere, but I, I think uh, it's probably easier just to get it digitally through Kindle or something and and read read the Tag and Blink series. It is some of the funniest reading, and as a Star Wars fan, you would really appreciate it. I, I think it would be very confusing if you're not a Star Wars fan, but as a Star Wars fan, you will appreciate Tag and Blink. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a super fan anymore. Um, there was there was a dark period in the Star Wars universe that uh, sort of lost me. But <laughs> are you referring to what the dark period everybody else refers to? The prequels. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're bad. Mm-hmm. And it actually started before mm-hmm. the prequels when they started doing the remasters. Because they announced the prequels, and then That's they were true. like, also, we added dinosaurs to the cantina scene. And they're like, what? And like, and, also, and Han doesn't shoot yeah, first. Yeah, Han doesn't too. shoot first anymore. What? Also, we remade E.T., but without any guns. Everyone's holding flashlights now. What? <laughs> what? Slow down. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to everything I love? Also, we made another Indiana Jones. No! No, stop it! I love him! Why'd you do this? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a dark, dark period for my childhood at, you know, uh, 28. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, a, a while back, I got contacted 
because a you PHP said, said so. I'm back on my scotch nice. for for so for a so challenge. So so I'm gonna I'm, drink a scotch. I'm still on arrogant bastard ale. I'm sorry, you were saying something? So I went to Pike's Peak PHP. Pike's and Peak? Like Pike's what's Peak, a Pike's PHP. Peak PHP. So a a developer from San Diego moved to Colorado Springs and was looking for a meetup, couldn't find one, so he started his own. And he was this looking, developer wasn't you? Not me. So he reached out to friend of the show, Cal Evans, and said, hey, do you know anybody who knows what they're doing with meetups in the Colorado Springs area? And Cal Evans said, you know what? I think there is a guy who was doing a meetup and moved to Colorado Springs. So uh, so yesterday I went to the first first meetup. Are of, you saying so a lot now I'm, just to I'm try not, to get me drunk? I'm not meaning to. I'm, I'm watching you drink and wondering why and then realizing oh I'm making you gosh. drink. Good God. I am first first meetup. I am helping the meetup organizer get things going and giving him all the tips and tricks and pro advice that I have after having done two meetups for five years. So what do you do with the the other twenty five minutes of the meetup? <laughs> we talked you got about like five composer. minutes of knowledge. Get it? That's what I said. That was so. So. Uh, are, do, are, are you going to share a name? Uh, his name is Mike J. There's a secret. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's Mike J's. Brian, Brian. Brian J. Brian J. Uh, and he's from he's from San Diego, huh? Yeah, he's he works with uh, our mutual friend from the Laravel meetup, William. No way. Yeah, he works with William. He's he currently works with him or did work with him. When William changed jobs from the meetup place we were at, mm-hmm. and there he's at the new place, so that he currently works with him at the new place. Get out of here! Did, yeah. Now, did he ever attend? Uh, a, I see he's a member of San Diego PHP. Did he ever attend uh, San Diego PHP? SDPHP? He might have gone to the downtown one. I doubt he would have been over at the north one. But yeah, it was very int- very interesting conversations and meetup. You know, classically five person group there Mm -hmm. and it's it's the first meetup it has to build up it doesn't have the name behind it yet but it was a lot of fun and that's awesome man of of course because i can't help myself i'm presenting next month of course because that's who you are i mean that's the way you roll yeah well god darn it that is pretty impressive if you are live in the colorado springs is that like is that different that's different than just colorado huh yeah this is the springs or colorado springs this is in the downtown area okay if 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 you listen to the show and and you listen and you live in the colorado springs area um give uh give the meetup some love and give the user group some support and Head out there to Peak PHP. Do you guys have an established meetup yet, or are you just kind of uh, the second Wednesday of every month? Second Wednesday of every month. Uh, do you guys do beer? It's at a library, so we don't do beer, so, but they do have a sponsor, and they do. I have thought it was food. Colorado. I thought they did beer everywhere. I mean, yeah, I wish. They no, don't. they they don't have the beer culture that California does, unfortunately. 
That's that's too bad. Oh yeah. well. But yeah, still get out there and uh, and show them show them some love and um, cool. You got I see you already have twenty five members. I mean that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, you're out of the gate with twenty five members. Yeah, I think we didn't get twenty five members until like three four months into our to our meetups. So that's cool. All right. So in in the uh, URL, they're on meetup.com. It's peak php. P-E-A-K-P-H-P. Check them out. And this holds true to anybody listening. If you have a local user group, whether it's PHP user group, a Laravel user group, if it's a field you're interested in, it really helps the community out. It helps the user groups out to participate. You know, ideally go to the meetups, but, you know, even if you, you know, even if you can present, presenting is like, like humongous like these meetups are always always looking for presenters so if you have a local meetup offer to do a presentation every now and then yeah, pretty much still, everyone i've gone to solid. yeah I, i've gone to a few meetups for a few i've been up to la i've been out to arizona i've never run into like a hostile meetup where people were kind of jerks everybody's usually very friendly very welcoming there you was that really one time to... our meetup got a little hostile yeah, well, that was because you were there. No, that was the one so. I wasn't at. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, there's uh, you, you. You don't typically have to be a subject matter expert to present. Just present on things that interest you and and start a conversation. And you'd be surprised where these where these talks go and how much people get out of them and how much people enjoy them. So do that, please, for me. If if you want to be my friend, do that. I appreciate it. And if you don't want to be my friend and you really want to irritate me, do it twice, twice, and, and that would really irritate me. Like, like, do it. Go to two meetups, and I'd be like really pissed off. <laughs> yeah, I I was looking through my my previous presentations to see if I had anything that would uh, that would work out. Something I could just throw together. Mm-hmm. I have <laughs> I have thirty I have thirty presentations on my Google Drive. That I've given at STPHP and Laravel, and, and if you're anything like me, none of them you feel like are good enough to give again. No, they're, like, all, they're all. I need out to rewrite date. all of them. Yeah, that's that's me. It's like I have a huge folder of talks I've done. I'm like, these are all crap. I, I would never do these talks again. Oh, yeah, cool, man. Well, congratulations. I I see you you've you've been tagged as one of the organizers which makes me feel really good didn't know not only are you are you going and participating but you're actually you know helping helping out with it so yeah, cool you know, man gave, gave my uh five minutes of advice that's it now that's i'm an organizer <laughs> cool cool all right what else do we got well i've got i've got one thing we talked about it a little bit earlier so i'm, I'm working on bus coin which, mm-hmm. which my my own self nervousness, whatever imposter syndrome thing, just saying the name of something that I made up, just saying a fictional name, makes me feel embarrassed. <laughs> Buscoin? No, no, nothing to be embarrassed no, about. Every time I hear it, I cringe a little. I just, ugh, that's not a real thing. That's something you just made up. Don't tell people to say that. <laughs> didn't somebody? Didn't somebody tweet about that? Didn't I see? Uh... Yeah, yeah, there was a tweet about that. Someone was talking yeah. about uh, sort of co-opting that type of system. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm at the point now where I need to market it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I'm already having enough trouble just saying the name of it without without blushing. <laughs> and I'm having a, I'm having a lot of trouble marketing it. You know, I've I've emailed a couple people about it and said, hey, just what do you think of this thing? And haven't gotten any replies and don't really expect to. Um, yeah. And I I threw it up on the altcoin subreddit, which was a. I expected to either get downvoted into oblivion or to get one downvote, so I was at zero votes and then just get ignored forever. Yeah. Nothing happened. What happened? No downvotes. Nothing. No upvotes. No upvotes. No comments. And a total of 15 hits on the site that day. It's like mm. it, it had the it had the same effect as farting in the wind. It was really. <laughs> You know, we have we have some experience with marketing. Um, honestly, we're not we're not great at viral marketing. Uh, so, from a business perspective, from Diego Dev's perspective, we've never really done any marketing. It's all always been, and we've pr- we had pride ourselves on it being um, an organically grown company that people find out through word of mouth. Now, now that's not entirely true because I did wear my Diego Dev shirt to the meetup last night. And I'm kind of billboard shaped. That that's so a, that's still organic though. You're you're an or you're an organic I, person. It, it so. was 100 percent cotton. You're right. Now in, in, in complete transparency, that we we wavered a little bit from that. Not not intentionally, just kind of as a matter of factly. So we we've done things like you know we sponsor this podcast. We sponsor the Lara Chat podcast. We don't sponsor them to get our names out there. We sponsor them because we believe in them. We believe in the people doing them. We believe in you know the conversations that are going on with them. And so we want to make sure that that they're able to to do that. So we've sponsored it, and as appreciation, uh, you know they they throw our tags up. They throw our, our logo up. Uh, something similar happened with the php architect podcast uh, but on a kind of a larger scale like one that i had never anticipated um john and i were i had agreed to do the php architect podcast we agreed to do it free of charge we're not we weren't asking for anything we just wanted to kind of do it for and, and we told him we don't know if we want to permanently do it we just want to do it for a little while get a feel for it see if there's a market for it and you know just go we you know they, we didn't expect any compensation but the people at PHPR felt, you know, I, didn't, I don't know if they felt obligated, but they wanted to show their appreciation. And they gave us a, uh, a half page ad within the magazine, within the printed magazine. So the printed magazine, obviously the digital magazine, has a Diego Dev ad in it. And it, that was something I almost told them not to do it because I felt really weird about that. It kind of the same thing. It's like... I don't really need this sort of advertising because we're not looking to take on just random clients. Right. Like the, the same way that people hear about us from word of mouth, there's a, there's a process. There's like a, there's like a uh, dating period. Yeah. Before we, uh, before we take on a client and, and we're, you know, we're not looking for these, you know, onesie twosies. Hey, you know, my sister needs a website for a church sort of request, but Again, we we were appreciative of it, and we're, we're happy it's out there. It's it's kind of nice, but we we're not like viral marketers, and um, which is kind of hurting us a little bit when we talk about Wave PHP. So Wave PHP is again the conference that John and I are putting together for the community. So this is not really a Diego Dev endeavor, although 
Diego Dev now is, you know, one of the sponsors because we had pay bills on the conference, but it's, it's John and I put it together for the PHP community. And, you know, we try to get the name out there and say, Hey, you know, this conference is coming, this conference is coming. But again, you know, we're, we're not viral marketers and we don't really have a knack for that. And, you know, we still kind of hope for that organic growth of, Oh, Hey, you know, I know these guys, or I know these, the people who are going to this conference, I'm interested in going is kind of what we're hoping for. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I think the call for papers for, is going to change that quite a bit too. Yeah. So I, I've said it the last couple podcasts. I'll throw it out there again. This is a warning. Once that, those calls for papers start to come in and we start to select speakers, this blind bird pricing that we have out there, this ridiculously low blind bird price <laughs> that we have out there will go away and it will not come back. I can promise you that. I, I think even if we offer discounts to user groups, it won't come down to this blind bird pricing price. I just, I can't see that happening. It doesn't really make sense. Um, so if you are interested in coming out and you think you're going to come out, you might want to go ahead and snatch up a ticket. I'm just going to put that out there. Also, if your company's paying for it, tickets are not available until right before the event. <laughs> No, actually, 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 only full, actually, only full price tickets. Actually, the full price tickets are available now, and, and we say that. Uh, you know, we're we're again very clear. This, this is to support the community. We're trying to make the conference as accessible to everybody as possible. But yeah, if you have a company paying paying your way, we would appreciate you paying full price. Um, it's not. It, it's still a super cheap conference, even at full price. Uh, so that that is an option that's out there. Um, and it's available today. If, if you want to know what the full price ticket's going to be, you're more than welcome to hit the site and you'll see, you'll see it out there. So, uh, full price tickets are out there if you want to, to buy them. Um, and we, we would appreciate you buying them. <laughs> but so again, with Buscoin, you're looking for, for that spike of interest. You know, you, you don't really have that time for that organic growth. You, you want some, some, and I have no feeling. idea. I have no idea who it is I'm supposed to be talking to at this point in the process. You know, I, I've, I basically got to the point where I've spun up two servers that are required for maintaining the blockchain initially. Mm. And then I spun up the pool that will be connected to the plugin component. And I've got information that I'm, I'm working on spinning up the sort of translator engine between the pool and the plugin. There's a little mm. proxy thing that has to go on. Mm -hmm. um, but I just sort of had a night where I sat down and thought, okay, I have 200,000 of these coins now. They have literally zero value. How do I drive anyone to want them? Mm -hmm. And it's not to want them because I want money. I don't, this is not about making money. Sure, that'll be great when it happens, if it happens. But this is about supporting a community of people who are getting screwed over by advertisers and by policies on YouTube and Twitch and stuff like that. And how do I make them care if the mm -hmm. tokens have zero value whatsoever? So I thought of a couple ideas, um, something I call shadow mining, where you split the mining between um, a currently valued coin and then you mm -hmm. cash out the currently valued coin into your current unvalued coins. Mm -hmm. So I could mine Monero... Mm -hmm 
and then put the Monero money into a pool owned by the company, and the company could pay out based off of the current price of Monero. Hmm. But that's okay. that's dependent on a different market, and that sets up a whole problematic scheme in the future about switching over to the independent value of the bus coin. And I thought about selling off like a initial shares to a, an investor mm. and taking that money as a pool to artificially set the initial value of the coin. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that devalues the idea of mining. If you're mining, you're devaluing the coin because you're taking from the pool by just mining. Then there's an ICO, which is something that I've not wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, ICOs are weird, but I'm starting to get why they're necessary for some systems. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking a little bit about meetups uh, in, in the Colorado Springs area. Is there by chance a cryptocurrency meetup out there? The one that I went to was just a um, investor oh. 401k into Bitcoin. Yeah, I remember you talking about that on the show. Yeah, it was, it was unpleasant. kind of a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, yeah. Unfor- and and again, San Diego has got a huge, thriving cryptocurrency uh, uh, group um, community out here. Uh, the 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 cryptocurrency meetups I've gone to have been some of the biggest, craziest meetups I've ever been to. As far as just sheer capacity of people going to a meetup, it's been out, out of control. I might I might need you to go and represent me then. Just go say I'm, I might be say hey, it's that. not my project, but this is my my buddy in Colorado. Because around here, I I signed up for one that was a Bitcoin meetup, and it's in Denver. I was ready to drive out to Denver. How, how far is that meetup. for you? <clears throat> About an hour. Okay. So not too but, bad. You know, it's like going well, up to LA. But you know me. Well, yeah, there's that. That's pretty bad. <laughs> um, but like I said, since I moved to Colorado, I'm now cured of my agoraphobia, so that's pretty great. But I was ready to go to it, and then I, I was looking over all their rules and stuff, and it said, first thing off, Bitcoin only. Absolutely do not discuss anything other than Bitcoin. No altcoins, no Ethereum, no Litecoin, no nothing. Until mm. after the meetup. Well, and I was like, after the meetup. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm not sure what they're talking about then during the meetup. They're just talking about stock prices for the whole thing. Uh, it's so uh, I'm I'm back on your website, uh, buzzcoin.com. That's b u s k o i n dot com. Yeah, buzzcoin.com. Uh, you know, something you might want to think about doing is moving up your um, get notifications to literally right under your bus coin uh, right when you hit the page. Yeah, I probably should do that. All right. Yeah, I, I would probably do that. Um, I, you know what I did for Wave PHP also recently, and I'll throw this out there for anybody interested, is I posted a uh, on Telegram. I created a public uh, Wave PHP Telegram group. So... As we get closer to the conference, if people have questions or, or want to start to interact with people going to the conference, they can hit this Telegram group and um, have a conversation with us. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, right now, I have one person in the Wave PHP uh, Telegram group uh, besides myself and John. So, I don't know. I mean, just try Frank? to open up some- no, no, it was actually not Frank. It's <laughs> just a wild, wild guess. Uh, but uh, you know, 
again, I, I'm a terrible person to ask about this, but yeah, I still believe in opening up as many avenues of communication as you can. So, you and know, I think I think that's my my problem is that I don't want to expose myself to the seething mass, masses that is the internet because they're awful. You know, I don't want to put myself out there, but I'm not going to get any hits if I don't put myself out there. Either you've got to or you've got to designate somebody to do it for you. Yeah. And and I would so, have to figure out who that would be. I don't know how that would. Yeah. Trying to find somebody to do this stuff is, it's all. Say, like, hey, I came up with the idea. What more do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> I've done literally 30 hours of work. How am I supposed to do more than that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I closed my Trello board, and I, I think I had I had the next card moved over. Oh, I I, know, I remember what it is now. Why I'm getting back to it. You know what? You know what? Uh, you know what I've been missing, uh, or you know what I think is missing from Facebook, Thomas? I, little, I th- I th- little kids. I think they need more children. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more of them. <laughs> There's just not enough young children on Facebook chatting. Uh, we need more. Fortunately, Facebook agrees with me. It's it's a weird situation. Like Facebook is almost in a complete 180 on this topic. Where when my kids uh, first were interested in signing up for Facebook, they were technically too young. Not technically, they were too young. Uh, Facebook had had an age restriction of 13, where uh, if you were under 13, you just couldn't have a Facebook account. Now that doesn't pre- prevent a kid from having a Facebook account. They just lie about their birth date. Little did anybody know that Facebook would become so prolific in everybody's life and, you know, be around for so long. Well, it appears now that Facebook kind of sees the error in their ways and thinks that young children should be allowed on Facebook and should be allowed to chat. And they've implemented a whole separate chat system for kids called Messaging Kids. Uh, you still have young children. Do you, Are any of your kids under 13, Thomas? No, not anymore. Okay. Have have did you read this article at all? I you know what I didn't. Um I read okay. the compendium article uh where the former Facebook exec said that Facebook is destroying society fundamentally. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that one in a second. <laughs> so apparently, you know, Facebook is supposedly doing like, you know, a best effort uh to protect the children and who they can chat with and, and it's all kind of managed by a parent and uh i actually got prompted for when i so i don't again i say this all the time i don't feel like i don't know why i keep saying it. i don't use facebook a lot but i do pop on occasionally and i i was wondering why i was getting prompted for this new messaging service um first thing i don't have any children that young and facebook should know that but uh but Which is a I, terrifying I, thing to hear you admit. I know. But I was getting prompted, and it was you know telling me how I could allow my kids on Facebook. I could set up who they could message to, when they could message to them. Um, and, of course, they were selling it as a whole security thing and way to stay in contact with your children. And I just don't know where I am with this. I, I, mean, know. I, just, I know exactly where I am. It seems inevitable that it was going to happen. Um, where where are you at with it? I suppose you don't agree with it. It's a hard no. A hard no. I I regret every day how early I let my kids get involved unmonitored in social media. Uh, I haven't had a that. crisis. I haven't had a crisis situation 
But, but I have one. It only it only takes one selfie, man. Yeah, <laughs> I have had some clear situations where some stupid misunderstanding is perpetuated by social media, and I remember in the '90s that there was a constant discussion about how text cannot properly emote emotion. It mm. cannot properly show the context of anything that you're saying. And it was a big talking point about when people started using smiley faces and other ASCII-based emoji characters. This was the attempt to try and emote what we were saying. Now, the conversation is not being had. It's just everything is taken poorly or positively. It's but, only I mean, thumbs up or you, a heart. It's when you terrible. Can, when you chat with somebody at, with wearing a dog face, I mean, why do you have to worry about that anymore, right? <laughs> Because kids are terrible. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean kids are terrible in a, like, I'm a tired old man sense of the word. I mean, biologically, the things kids are driven to do and the way that they think at this age is awful. Mm-hmm. They, there's, there was a recent study that the results of which basically said children's brains don't can't tell the difference between what's important and what's not important. I'm sorry, not children, teenagers' brains. So teenagers can't tell what's worth getting upset about or not worth getting upset about. Hmm. And so they get upset about things that are not worth getting upset about. And it and it throws total chaos into their lives. And Facebook is such a flood of crap. Even if it's tightly monitored and restricted, they, the moment you get them on a device and they start chatting with their friend and you say it's okay because you can always chat with your friend on this device then they're going to install the one that you can't monitor and they're going to be using that instead that's it and, and you know once they have access to the computer to the cell yeah, phone it's over it'll it'll leach out yeah i i'm with you on that and you have I, to treat I agree. it like normal computer security physical access is everything if you give we, them the phone we, it's theirs we now. should talk about this more often because you me and john are all at different stages of very different. raising okay. children your and, your uh, girls you have twin girls yeah i have twin daughter daughters but they're adults now they're 19 going on 19. 20 i yeah. wouldn't say adults no they're legally say, adults uh, <laughs> but uh but i, I nice completely agree with you i gave my kids pretty much unfeathered access at a very young age and I, I I definitely regret doing that. So what do you I think was... very young is? 13, 12? Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was about that age where they each had had their own private cell phone device yeah. that had connectivity to the internet. Um and uh you know, fortunately we didn't have any horrible horrible incidents. We we had a couple bad well, I guess we did have one horrible incident. Uh, that I I could if I really wanted to take it back to that I could, but it it would kind of be connecting the dot thing. But either way, it was a mistake, and, and I know it was a mistake. But at the same time, y- you know, is is it a mistake that every parent makes? That's the question. Yeah, Does every and, single parent do it do it over and over well, again? And not only that, but it's like. The kids, it, it, it is, I'm sure it's more so with your your kids, and it's going to be more so, even more so with John's kids. They can't function without this access. Like, oh yeah, no, a cell phone is mandatory at my kids' school. They have to have a cell phone. Are, are you are you being facetious? Are you being nope. serious? They 
that part of their curriculum requires them to have apps that are school specific on personal cell phones. Get out of here. Really? Yeah. The high school, not the not the junior high, but the high school. So starting at 14 years old, it's it's fully mandatory. Wow. Or wow. it's total ostracization somehow. It's 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 a total nightmare for the kids. I mean, that's that's the the thing is they're going to tell you how awful it is to be the only kid without a phone, and you're going to eventually but it's cave. Not, it's not it's not only that. I mean, like like my kids, there were there were were homework assignments that they would not have been able to do. You know, it's like, oh yeah, well they could go to the library and get access. The 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 thing is, is if they realize there's a device they can go to and get access, then then game over, right? They have right. that access, and there there were there were assignments in school where there was no alternative. They had to have access. They had to get on the line. They had to get online. They had to do these these projects. And oh man, it's just like I. You know, I, I kind of was like, well, I'm a professional. I do this for a living. I know what to look for. I know how to monitor it. I know how to take care of it. And there's just no, it's no there's way. no wrangling this. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, it's... When I when I first, because I got, I I am a stepdad. I picked up the kids at seven years old and eight years old, seven, seven, and eight. And I said to myself, well, when it comes time, I will have the tightest fucking network you've ever seen. I will know mm-hmm. every packet coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And I tried to set that up, and it took a, a long time, and I gave up. And it's not easy. Like, I consider myself an expert in security, network security, and, and programmatic, and I I just could not invest the time that was required to track every device in the house, every address yeah. it was resolving to, if it's Facebook, then God knows what they're seeing. Snapchat is like, yeah, Snapchat's how they talk to their dad. Mm-hmm. How do I monitor that now? I can't. And then everything's HTTPS, and it's like, don't if you're if you're a parent and you're thinking about phones and computers and tablets and that stuff, don't think that you can monitor it because you cannot. The mm-hmm. flow of information is so incredibly high. It, there's there's bigger fish to fry you have to you have to bite the bullet and either say absolutely not or fine here you go but when mm. you do that once you've done that you've cast the reel you can't pull it back it's it's out there yep yep yeah it's it's you can't put that genie back in the bottle that's for that's for sure yeah and so, all of their friends have phones and all of the all of the worst things i've i was afraid of have been confirmed by the kids they think all of the horrible stuff on the internet is just hilarious and they share it amongst each other. And I'm like, that is terrible. This is awful. This destroys you as a person to see this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, but it's funny. You know, meme, meme remixes of cops shooting innocent people, that type of stuff where it's like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, somebody made this. And the only people watching it are 14 year old kids. It is crazy. And that's absolutely like that's what Instagram and Snapchat is. It's a lot of innocent stuff, but some stuff that's just terrible, terrible stuff. And I think back about when I was a kid and it wasn't much different. I was on the Internet very young for my generation. I was 14, I think, when I got unlimited Internet access. But it wasn't like it is today. Yeah. Well, I was an, I was an early adopter. 
so. I, I got my parents I got my parents to buy cable internet for me when I was 15. So I had Cox from like 15 to 35. I re- I still remember I was living I was living at the beach in Ocean Beach here in San Diego, and uh, I got a I got a thing in the mail snail mail talking about uh, Cox was going to have a, a going to have a demo um, of their new high speed internet. And it was at mm-hmm. a yeah, it was at a local bookstore, and so I'm like, I, I want to go check this out. And I go out there, and I see it. And I, I remember coming home telling my wife, "We're buying this. I don't care how much it costs, but we gotta have this. This is this is the way everything's gonna. This is how we're gonna do everything in the future." And the wife was like, "You're out of your mind. We got AOL. We're, we're perfectly fine. We're, yeah, we don't, we're set. We got the demo discs. We we've got 600 free minutes still, honey. So you know, forget about it. We're not paying for internet. It's free right now." And yeah, it was that was the craziest, craziest. That's funny. It's funny I remember that. I, I I remember it so clearly. I'm like, babe, you were cl- clicking links. It was just like you were you were turning a page in a book. Things were coming up so fast. And keep in mind, when high speed internet first hit the market, not only was it high speed, it was high speed. There was nowhere near the congestion on the yeah. wire that there is today. <laughs> well, not just that, but web pages were half a k i mean yeah this exactly was, this was pre html1 this is when people would write a story and then put a an under construction banner on the site and that was the whole thing yeah yeah you know? that, was, that was i mean you know web pages were meant to come up over dial up and oh man high speed was just mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing but you know what i cut you off a little bit on another ticket uh, another uh, card you had about a Facebook executive. Did you want to talk anything more about that? I I just want to echo what the person said is that one of the people who was in charge of the vice president of user growth has come out and said that fundamentally Facebook is destroying how people communicate and and regrets everything that he did <laughs> to improve <laughs> He regrets working for the devil. He's like, <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. Which I think speaks volumes. When somebody comes out of a company and says, "I I regret everything I did there," despite the millions of dollars they paid me, that ta- that's worth taking notice. Yeah. Like you should you should probably see what they're saying because that's a a damning statement. Yeah. All right. So we've we talked we've already talked a little bit about cryptocurrency as we talked about Buscoin. Um, and one of the, but I did want to circle back around on it a little bit. Uh, one of the articles we talked about last week, or, or yeah, not articles. One of the, one of the topics we talked about last week was, you know, these companies that are encouraging people to move their four hundred one ks over into Bitcoin. And I think we have another friend of the show. I think we have a friend of the show who works for Coinbase, because not short shortly after. I think, well, let's 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 let John take this one. John, yeah, John, you're you're our, our, our cryptocurrency uh, expert. Why don't, why don't you give us some some feedback here? Thanks, John. Hmm. No, nothing. That's that, weird. That's, yeah, do do we not mention John's not here today? I don't think we mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> has anybody noticed that? That's the bigger question. Has anybody we noticed didn't. John has not been we here? We didn't. All and that's time? all that's important. <laughs> yes, John is. John is. Uh, is uh, absent today uh he uh, had i guess better things to do I, I don't know if he's going to see the star wars movie uh, if he's hanging with some real friends i don't know what's happening he's just not here uh don't you know don't i can't say we miss him i don't know 
If John, if you ever actually hear that, of course we miss you. We love you, but no, we don't. Yeah. We don't really miss you. That's we're we're stoically carrying on without you. So I think we have a friend of the show who works for Coinbase because not long after really? we I could use that contact. We talked about that. I, I think it, I think it was before we released the podcast. So they must watch live. I'm pretty sure, uh, like the whole Coinbase people watch us live. I'm sure they're watching us now. Coinbase sent out an email to users of their system, which I am one, obviously. And they sent out an email that says, please invest responsibly. Basically encouraging people to, you know, the market is, is thriving right now. Don't sink your life savings into this. Don't go willy-nilly. And it, it's a pretty well thought out kind of, hit, you know, hey, there are issues with, with this platform. There, there are concerns that you should be aware of. You need to be educated. You need to understand what you're doing. Um, it was it was a good and timely kind of release. I, I know. Again, we had that we had that conversation last week about uh, websites encouraging people to do four hundred one k. We talked earlier in this show about your bad experience to the one cryptocurrency meetup you'd gone to. That kind of sounded like a shady deal, and we'd covered that on a on a past show as well. Um, it's good to see a CEO of one of the more respected cryptocurrency I, platforms out there come yeah, out and say, I would say the premier the premier easy buying and selling platform yeah you know it's good to see them come out and say hey cool your jets you know this is not this is not easy money this is you know you need to know what you're doing this is not a sure thing and it it was it was good to see it was re- refreshing to, to, to read to hear that and, and it's funny because uh you know it you know, we talked last week about how cryptocurrency is finding its way in mainstream media, mainstream television shows, and um, my daughter and I, uh, we found ourselves in a credit union today, um, opening up account uh, an account for her, and uh, we ended up having a cryptocurrency conversation there as well. And you know, she was curious. She was like, you know, why cryptocurrency isn't a real thing? It, it's not, you know kind of the conversation I told you I had with them when they were younger. You know, yeah. it, it's nothing. There's nothing there. The heartbreaking realization that there's nothing behind real money either. <laughs> that's the conversation we had. I'm like, you know, the thing that separates this from, you know, and we had the whole, you know, global market, no government. Um, the, the users of the cryptocurrency are setting its value. And so it was a good conversation to have. Uh, it's funny how often I find myself in, of the three of us, I'm the least involved. I, I'm very intrigued by it. I, I am an early adopter of it. I am perfectly comfortable using it, but I don't get on my soapbox and preach the benefits of cryptocurrency and everybody should invest in cryptocurrency or everybody should be using cryptocurrency. I, I don't do that. And I definitely don't follow the minutes like you, know, you and John where you guys get in these cryptocurrency conversations, um, I'm just like, yeah, no, I I had a Bitcoin and now it's worth more. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing though, is it, so there was, there was this big thing. Uh, there was a big spike. Um, I told the story about people selling a house for Ethereum, uh, somebody paying off all their bills and their mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. Those stories hit the news media and so the media started really covering cryptocurrency within the last couple months mm-hmm. um especially since a bunch of currencies have gone up like 300 percent in a couple months 
Mm. Uh, so I keep seeing stuff where the the I hate the I hate the term the mainstream media outlets keep covering cryptocurrency, keep covering Bitcoin, and they they always get some writer who has no clue what's going on. <laughs> they it's somebody who read an article on a cryptocurrency news site and then tried to rewrite it in their own words and. It's or it's it's somebody just who has no idea. The article I saw was on CNN. They said uh, Bitcoin loses twenty five percent in seven hours. By the time I read the article, which was twenty five minutes after it was posted, it was back up and then over where it was when the article was written. Mm. I'm like, well, of course it was. These people don't understand what cryptocurrency is and what the fluctuations are like. They, you know, Bitcoin at its worst today lost like 35% or something, but then it bounced back immediately because that's how these currency markets work. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're interested in cryptocurrency, stay away from media outlets that are not experts. It's yeah. Uh, Bitcoin is at 17,369 right now. And earlier today it was at 16,400. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thousand dollar difference in a couple hours. It's okay. So I I want to circle back around on a topic I had last week that we actually got a, a little bit into uh, more, a more so than a little, a little more so than I anticipated. And uh, I see you had kind of card uh, referencing it on here, so I'll let you get to that in a second. But I did want to kind of state something. So I, we were talking about how um, YouTube was uh, pulling, uh, or Google was pulling YouTube from the Kindle Show and the Fire TV. And uh, you know, when I was talking about the article, I I, I had only gotten like very little um, exposure to it, but you know, I kind of had opinions about it, and, and I I stated, hey, you know, I never felt that Amazon was a good participant, you know. Uh, person within the Android ecosystem, the um, steward, steward. I, I never thought they were a good steward of the uh, Amazon or the uh, Android ecosystem, and you know, they excluded a bunch of Google things from showing up, like on the Kindle and blah blah. We talked about this. I didn't realize how deep the story went, and I even, I even was in disbelief where I validated some of it in actually saw some of it not true maybe so let me explain to you i guess this there's this whole battle between uh, google and amazon has been going on for some for some time and where i thought that this youtube uh google pulling youtube was like google finally firing back for what they did with amazon uh what they did with their kindle as far as not letting the play store be on the kindle I was actually very wrong about that. I had not realized that Amazon had pulled Google products from the Amazon store. So yes. you you couldn't you couldn't buy buy a Chromecast, you couldn't buy a Chromebook sold by Google on the Amazon store. Now you can buy Chromebooks from other manufacturers like Acer and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And can't get the Pixel. Can't get the Pixel and they the the Podcast I was listening to, even when as far as to say when Google bought Nest, Amazon removed all Nest products. Now, when yes. I look for when I look for Nest on Amazon, I see a, a bunch of Nest stuff on there. 
Uh, matter of fact, that's where I got my camera. But again, to their defense, all the Nest products are by other parties. Like none, none of them are through Google. So I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, but I couldn't find. There were no Chromecasts out there. Um, they, there was a bunch of Chromecast knockoffs, which looking at and i am a chromecast user i'm like well that looks like a chromecast even like kind of has the logo but i guess it's not once you read it um and so i didn't realize how deep that story ran uh so that's i mean that's pretty and i was already against kind of amazon and i'm I'm an amazon user i was already against amazon in that in that story and i'm kind of I'm I'm kind of siding even more so with Google now because it's like, no, I, these guys don't get to take take take, and and not leverage their platform or or, or lock them out of their platform and, and, and you know every other avenue. It's uh, it's kind of BS. So, but with that said, it looks like you have a story here now. Well, so Amazon did pull all of the Chromecast stuff, and then Google's response was pulling YouTube, their premier product. Uh, and this was a big fight that basically got the consumers outraged at Amazon because Amazon was the face of the missing feature. Mm-hmm. Great autoplay audio. Was that awesome. uh, say what was that? <laughs> is that is that about? Thank to you, CNET. For me? That was an ad for me on the CNET site. Oh gosh, that's gonna happen to me then. <sighs> yeah. Mm. Well, Amazon has relented, but they relented in my favorite way, which is maliciously. They added Chromecasts, uh, Chromecast Ultra back onto the Amazon store. However, they also re-added the Apple TV and Apple TV 4K versions as well. So they said, hey, you know what? You want it to be a free market? Fine. Apple wins too. Well, well, wait a minute. So, wow. So, if you really want to get into conspiracy theory here, you, uh, Amazon Prime just got released for Apple TV, and yes, it app- did. Apparently, there like all these like crazy exceptions had to be made, and I, I'm wondering if part of the negotiation was, hey, if we let you on our platform, you've got to sell our product. And whatever rule or regulation they were using to lock out Amazon or Apple TV was the same rule and regulation they were using to lock out um, Chromecast. And they were like, okay, we'll lift that regulation. And, and, you know, somebody in legal said, "Uh, guys, if we do this for them, we've got to allow these guys back into our sandbox as well. And somebody will kind of have to do that now. I'm curious. So I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine something. Okay. At Amazon, there are probably 12 people directly involved with the decision of carrying or not carrying a product like this. Mm -hmm. You've probably got your VP of sales, CTO, CEO, CFO, CIO, uh, VPs of all those branches, and then Bezos, a couple other guys. But I'm I'm guessing that that boardroom table where they decide this has... 12 to 18 seats right mm-hmm. i'm guessing that at apple it's smaller than that i'm guessing that at apple it's probably 8 to 12 seats and that okay. at google it's probably bigger it's probably 30 seats What's but you're point? still looking at 
you're still looking at three conference rooms with a regular amount of people all making this gigantic decision that involves literally billions of dollars. I think it's fair to say that any conspiracy theory that you have about how this is market manipulation, how this is consumer uh, smoke and mirrors, Mm -hmm. uh, this is product release versus deprecation, is it new Coke where it's bad on purpose so that the old Coke classic can switch to corn syrup? <laughs> Probably. Mm. You know that story. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah, I know that story. Yeah. So we're only looking at 100 people involved in a billions of dollars decision about what products carry what. Mm. And that's, a, that's, I think, being forgiving. I think it could very easily be eight people who met at Mar-a-Lago and said, I had this brilliant idea. <laughs> Mar-a-Lago. Why, why has it got to be there? What are you, what are you implying? What, what? Well, because, you know, the you know the dining room set that they use in Mr. Robot this season for whenever White Rose meets with... Whenever yeah. the dark... Whenever White Rose meets with the executive of E-Corp. Yeah. That's, they're modeling that after Mar-a-Lago. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. All right. So when is this supposed to happen? Is this supposed to be happening now? Because I just did a test. I, I went to Amazon. Now, I'm a Google user. Amazon's aware of this. I typed in Chromecast. I got all the junk Chromecast, all the anycast, and all the fake ones. I narrowed it down by brand of Google, and I got nothing. There's no Chromecast here for me. I do have an ad for, for a Fire Tech TV if I was interested. I have a Google Wi-Fi system. I have a... Uh, replacement uh uh power cord and i have a nexus wireless charger so the take a drink (laughs) can't i'm out of drink now amazon amazon is unique in that they are a um a fulfillment arena they they are supply and uh sending Mm mm-hmm for them to add the product to the site, they have to acquire enough of the devices to keep in stock at the 500 regional distribution centers that they have. Hmm. This information about the change came out literally a couple hours ago. Mm-hmm. So they're in the process of purchasing all the devices from Google to stock in their supply because right, so, they're so not. This re- just happened. Yeah, this just happened. Yeah, it's not. They're not selling these on consignment for Google. They're selling these at a profit from their own supply purchased from Google. Gotcha. So they okay. need to stock up before they can list it. All right. So there you go. There's your answer. Okay. Cool. 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 And again, well, I mean, back to the conspiracy theory. This means that they have to buy in bulk at a discount rate from Google, which was the problem they had in the first place was Google wasn't giving them enough of a profit margin versus Google's own fulfillment centers. Mm-hmm. Amazon said, we need to make five bucks per Chromecast. Google said, well, we're making six bucks, so you're going to have to deal with the difference. Mm-hmm. And that was the fight. Uh, All right. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think this is a, we, we've had a lot of uh good conversation here today i I know you've got a a crap load of cards still here um 
I feel like this is a Boy, good spot sure to do. kind of call it a night, though. Is there anything you feel like you really need to get in? I do. Before? I have one thing. I got what I consider to be a bizarre email today. A totally bizarre email. Really? So this is... Uh, I was kind of hoping you, know you were going to pick this one, because I, I, I felt like I, I wanted to do some research on this one and have it's a conversation. Real s- I want it to sit in the back of your head and of our listeners' heads. Okay, let, let's ne- talk about it. Do you know what Neo4j is? I'm a fan of Neo4j, yeah. I, uh, so it's a graph database. Uh, it's really cool. A very uh, One of the kind of the first ones that had like tools uh, online. and it, It's nice. I, I've played with it. I, I have never used it for anything for production. I've just kind of done it for educational purposes. But I, I am a fan of it. Um, so it's different than than uh, I, I, I guess. It's different than relational. So yeah. it establishes. Well, I want to I want to make sure I because I, I might have misspoke. I said it was a graph. It's a graph database. It's not GraphQL. It is right. So GraphQL no, it's is graph database. Complete, completely different. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. What they do is it figures out distances of relationships between items, so you can right. tell how far one thing is related to another via the whole uh, three steps of Kevin Bacon type thing. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, the, the classic example that they use for their demo is the whole Kevin Bacon and how people, uh, you know, Kevin Bacon has acted with everybody within like three steps or whatever, yeah. Right. Well, I'm on their mailing list because I had a project a while ago where I was interested in, in Neo4j and I got an email Mm-hmm. from Neo4j announcing that the Panama Papers had been released as a desktop database available to search immediately. So the P- Panama Papers? What, what is that? I'm, sorry, the, I'm sorry, the Paradise Papers. The Paradise sequel papers. to the Panama Papers. The, what, what are the, the Paradise Papers? And Panama, the Paradise Papers are, papers? are a, a massive disclosure of overseas hidden funds from the ultra-rich and ultra-rich corporations. Okay. Um, money that's being hidden from people and tax havens and the true value or true worth of certain people. And these these documents, we're, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of documents. They're incredibly difficult to get through. The only way that you could logically get through them is through something like a graph database and the reporting institution, uh, International Consortium for Investigative Journalists, created a Neo4j database of the Paradise Papers and released it. And Neo4j thought, hey, this is something that we should let our users know about because what's more fun to tinker around with than a test database that actually has implications in the real world? (laughs) Holy smokes. There's a a desktop implementation of this? Wait a minute. Right, so it's it's just a a desktop browsable command line interface where you can just sort of surf the database with different queries and just feel it out and just play with it i'm, insta- I'm installing it as we speak this is this is too good to pass up i, I this wish... might be the greatest advertising ever for neo4j is hey you just want to tinker around with it here's some real world data that the ultra rich literally don't want you to see have fun and it's I think this is one of the greatest things I've ever been emailed by a company in my life. If if, if my system dies <laughs> right now because it's trying to churn and burn through all this information, I, I apologize. But I, I've got to see what this is. 
Uh, oh, it's, I, I just I, I love this so much. It's just a company saying, hey, guess what? We got everyone's dirty laundry. Want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing to me. It's they have a they have a desktop browser for Windows, Mac, and Linux. Uh, the the graph database is downloadable. They give you all the tutorials you need on how to browse it. It's got all these. I'm just agreeing oh, to stuff now, man. I, I'm, not, I'm not even reading it. Just uh, yes, 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 yes. Three hundred ninety six, uh, three hundred ninety eight point six megabytes for the database the, of text the, it's, documents. It's downloading the Paradise Papers three point three zero. Yeah, this this is going to kill my internet connection. I have a feeling. <laughs> but I I just want I had to get that out there for this episode for our listeners because I think this is both hilarious and dystopian at the same time. Uh, and I, I, you know me, I can't I can't pass that up. A, you, a funny a funny apocalypse. That's my thing. Did I tell you uh, my uh, I got my internet speeds up to over three hundred megabyte. Uh, what is it? Not megabytes. Uh, whatever it is, 300 uh, down and like 28 or 30 up. Nice. Yeah, it's it's rocking right now. Um, Mine got cut off last night at literally the last five minutes of a horror movie I was watching on Netflix. <laughs> Snow. If you know anything about, if you know anything, no. Oh no. Oh no. It was quote unquote scheduled maintenance. Really? Yeah. Your whole internet went down because of scheduled maintenance. They just. They turned it off, and it was literally the end of a horror movie, which if you like horror movies, you know, missing the end is kind of a big deal. Kind of, kind of so important. It was Dude, just I, down for I, two I, hours. I'm in the Paradise Papers, just like that. Yeah, super cool, right? So yeah, we covered Doom and Gloom earlier. This now we're a, covering Happy Fun Tinker Toy. <gasps> Look at that! Oh, this is going to be the coolest thing to play with. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like seeing Google Maps for the first time again. Or Google Earth. What is what is this dot right here? I wanna know what this guy is. Alright, this is cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to mess with it. Alright, anybody uh, listening to the show and is into this sort of thing, um, it will be in our show notes. You'll wanna check it out. Uh, PHPLE dot com slash eighty what did we say this was? Eighty seven? Eighty seven. Yeah, PHPLE dot com slash eighty seven. Um and we will make sure this makes into the show. Now, this is pretty stinking cool, Thomas. I, I've got to uh, got to be real with you, brother. This is this is cool. <gasps> you can zoom in. What? What? Are you serious right now? <laughs> this is cool. All right. Oh, this is so cool. Interesting. All right. Cool. 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 Okay, that's good. We we we're at a good stopping point now. I think uh, I think we've we've. For this, this is why they they overrule net neutrality to get terrible shows like ours off the air. So, okay, all right, brother. Um, this has been episode eighty-seven of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. 
Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.